Ahoy! This is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. And today, we're talking about Sea of Thieves, developed by Rare and published by Microsoft Studios. And today, we have a special guest with us, Andy Barhorst, who we're calling up from the Pirate Reserves to augment our crew for this podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for having me on here today. Looking forward to talking about the game. Thanks for joining. Clint, I know you picked this up originally, and uh, Josh and I soon followed suit. It's a game I've had my eye on for quite a while, because it's honestly like, it has a reputation as like co-op excellence. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we've all been stuck inside an awful lot this year, and I saw it for 20 bucks, and I was like, hey, I'm going to give this a shot. And it turns out that may have been the best $20 I've spent on a video game uh, price per hour ever, because <laughs> <laughs> I've played about 100 hours of it, at least. So Closely beating out Hollow Knight. Yeah, just barely. Yeah, the cool thing about this, too, was uh, we picked it at a really good year. So this game is three years old now. And uh, this year, it started doing seasons. It started doing, like I said, seasonal content, new new missions, and it broke records and uh, got awards all three years into its life cycle. So good time to start. It's really interesting to me that they've had so much developer support. And this year, I think the biggest change was when they sort of had that, um, they had a partnership with Disney that came out with this Pirate's Life expansion that I think sort of launched it into the stratosphere in terms of players, right? That to me was like a big turning point. Yeah, actually, uh, they were, they kicked off a couple of their own things in early summer, I believe. And then just recently in the last month or two, they did this Disney thing, which just blew it way out of the water. Yeah, honestly, um, we, we all started playing it well before that. So I think you, you Clint must have intuited something in the, in the waters, so to speak. And, um, (laughs) Uh, we we suddenly felt the pull of the tide into this game and, and needed to play it. <laughs> How many more puns you got there? I think it's a good time to do it too. There's uh, this is one of the games that had a, it was a little bit of choppy waters when the game first came out. Um, the critical response wasn't fantastic, but Rare stuck with it, and I think they really came up with a good game uh, with the extra development time. Yeah, I can't speak to what it was like at the beginning, but I can say that you can tell just from the reading I've done, like it probably started pretty bare bones and the things they've added really made a fleshed out world. I do think the the bones have stayed pretty similar over the, the course of the years, you know, from like, like you said, none of us played it at launch. So you're going to get a very much snapshot shot in time view of this, but um, it seems like it's always sort of been a good hangout game, but now they've put a lot more structure in it to help, you know, onboard players to help, uh, keep players on for a longer time, a lot more flushing out of quests and, and tall tales and things like that, which we'll get to more. Uh, but maybe we should talk uh, a little bit more about what this this game actually plays like. Um, devel- the developers describe it as a SWAG, a shared world adventure game, which I liked as an acronym. Yeah, this shared world thing, I think was a big part of Sea of Thieves. Um kind of mojo they have going on there you're put into a kind of miniature caribbean where you sail around from island to island you and your crew uh doing quests digging up buried treasure exploring shipwrecks all sorts of things um but in this little tiny sea there is also a lot of other players uh that you can run into they can be friends or foes depending on how the internet gods are feeling that day yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's why one of the main reasons I wanted to have both Andy and Clint on for this one, because they have the most experience with this game. And I think 
the amount of enjoyment you get from this game is directly proportional to all of the crazy stories that you you get from it. And you know, the the two of you have obviously played a lot more than than Josh or I, and I think you probably have the crazier stories of all of us as well. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's probably why the game is better now than it was at launch. So I know we're going to talk about this more, but. The bare bones of the game is, yeah, you can go do missions for such and such faction. It's like, go find treasure. You can go solve puzzles and chase down treasure maps, or you can fight off, you know, hordes of skeletons or whatever, but that's not really what the game is about. Like, there's all these, I don't even know what to call them, like, random world events that'll happen. I don't want to spoil anything, but you'll be going one way and all of a sudden ghost pirate ships will pop up out of the water and you'll be fighting them. Or there's the PvP aspect where maybe you'll run into a friendly or unfriendly group of fellow pirates, which is tuned pretty pretty well in this game. I was a little worried about that at first. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a bunch of trolls. You know, games like Rust, I can't stand <laughs> things like that. But they a do a good... murders you for your pants. Yeah, <laughs> and that might happen in this game, but it doesn't happen often. Uh enough that I feel like the uh, it builds tension and builds excitement, but it's never annoying. It's a game that like the mechanics tend to make you want to cooperate more than they want to make you, you know, gank people, which is nice um, because no one likes being ganked. When we talk about PvP combat later, I think there's actually a really key design decision that uh, helps decrease the incidence of trolling. I guess right off the bat, um, maybe we should just talk a little bit about, you know, our, our experience with this. Like, Clint, Andy, you know, how did you guys first get into it? What what have you, I, I guess you, you've played you've played quite a bit. I mean, tell me tell me a bit about, like, the time with the game. You know, um, when we when we first got started, Clint came to me with it, and he's like, hey, we've got this new game, let's, let's give it a go. So um, I'm like, okay. So we loaded it up, sat down, started playing, and um, immediately I was just intrigued by our ability to just sit there for hours and just explore the open world. Right. And it was, it was one of those really interesting and kind of an eerie feeling, I guess, if you will, at first, I think the first half hour or hour playing, I almost felt sick because you're on a boat and you're riding and they did such a great job building out how the real world feel is with the waves, the boats riding up and down in the swells. And then, you know, you're trying to keep your balance half the time when you're, when you're doing a task. And so it's so much fun. And uh, there was just so many things to explore. I was going to say, I think at the beginning, it's, it's different games for different times. So at the beginning, it was a boating sim. Running the boat is hard. You have to have communication. It takes a team uh, so just driving the boat around without running it into the rocks is like a whole thing in and of itself. You got to figure out the sails and the wind and everything else. So that was the beginning. I was trying to figure that out. And then it was, okay, cool. Now we can take that a little further. Let's do a mission. And then it's like, oh, but there's PVP out there. Can we get good enough to take on other people? The answer is no, you are not. Stop doing that. <laughs> um, you but, quickly realize how hard it is to sink someone else's <laughs> ship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, Clint. I've seen you do some crazy shit when we were playing together. Like, I remember you <laughs> launching yourself out of a cannon to go set fire to a guy's ship. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what What the hell is he even doing here? He looks like the fucking flying Dutchman or something. It looks cool when it works, but that's only like a quarter of the time. <laughs> but I will say, we started playing this. Andy and I usually cap off our day by playing. We were playing Call of Duty a lot. And that's like a very, like go, 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 not very restful thing. You have to be a top-tier operator. <laughs> yes. This was like a nice 
switch from that. This is like a cool hang at the end of the day with some friends, which I really like. And you can take it seriously if you want, but you really don't have to. And it can just be fun. And it does feel like the like this game's entire game sort of substitutes itself for the lobby and action flow of like a Call of Duty night, right? Like in, in Call of Duty, you're concentrating for a period of time while you're playing with your friends. And then, you know, the match is over and you chill and you talk or, you know, in the, in the newer versions here in the Gulag for a little while, you can chill and talk while, while that's all happening or, you know, camping out or something like that. But in this game, uh, it's sort of modeless, right? And Josh, you pointed this out in the notes, and I'm glad you did. Is there's no like change between those states that happens in like a menu or a cutscene. Once you enter the world, everything is all on the table. You can get into a battle at any time, or you can uh, just sort of chill on your boat and play your hurdy gurdy for a while. You know, it's all the same. Yeah, this game's in a first-person perspective, and you're set. You know. When you're sailing the ship, you stare at the ship's wheel, and oh, there's just, there's a gigantic mast in the way, so you can't tell exactly where you're going. Uh, little design decisions like that they encourage communication in order to run a good ship, in order to sail well, uh, and I think that kind of contributes to the kind of um, the relaxed feeling of it. It's uh, something that encourages encourages cooperation among your crew and immersion, right? Like the the fact that <clears throat> excuse me the fact that you uh don't have like an interface there's basically no ui to this game right there's button mm-hmm. prompts and um even for something like zooming in they're forcing you to use a um a telescope not just allowing you to zoom in using you know your magical eyes or whatever a normal video game might use yeah there's no compass at the top you gotta get out your compass look at it and look at the world and same with the map like you gotta go down to the map room look at the map and figure it out yeah, I really like that aspect of this game, and I think that's what struck me most when we first played it. And honestly, it put me off at first, but then I realized what they were going for. And once you sort of realize that the game is trying to use that language instead of a traditional like menu or submenu or whatever, it all clicks into place. And Andy pointed out a really good thing about the water, uh, and I think that's indicative of the whole game, like the water, the clouds. The first thing you look at in this game is probably the water, and it is the best done water I've ever seen in a game. It's perfect. Well, and one of the other neat things that they did, which makes it so realistic, is when you get into the middle of a storm, you lose your bearings. It, and so they could have easily still had you figure out where north or west or whatever direction you were trying to go existed, but you didn't. It just spun and spun and spun. And here you are just kind of trying to barrel through a storm, trying to figure out what direction you're going. And 10 times out of 10, I lost my direction. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice touch. It reminds me of the uh, sandstorms in Breath of the Wild. One thing that I liked about the sailing is that at any time there were probably three or four or five different jobs that needed to be done. And if you only have two or three people, that's going to be people moving around, figuring out, hey, do I need to go up to the crow's nest and check for any incoming marauders coming at us? Do I need to uh, go uh, bail out the... Uh, the below decks a little bit. Are they taking on some water? Uh, is my guy hungry? Do I need to cook a banana? I don't know. Um, but it kept you busy. Um, not a t- not in tasks that required tons of uh, concentration, but things that kept you engaged with the game while you were there hanging out with everyone. 
Yeah, we've actually got a friend that played this with us a little bit. Andy and I do that. Uh, actually, had he had like a, a document. Like these are the these are the jobs on the ship. Which which <laughs> position do you want to be? We never got into that. Andy and I would just get progressively more drunk and do <laughs> the boat things progressively worse throughout the evening. So that's kind of how in, that goes. In game or out of game or both? both. <laughs> Why not? I, mean. <laughs> I feel that's the true pirate way to do things. Because that's another yeah. fun thing about this game is all the various activities you can take on, right? You can go fishing, you can play music with your various instruments. You can, of course, drink grog and get drunk. Um, and throw up all over the place. Yeah, there's all kinds of fun ah. interactions with this, right? It's not just strictly sailing swords and uh, muskets. Um, there's all kinds of like sort of fun, diegetic things you can do. And I actually wanted to bring back a point real quick. You were talking about a minute ago about how things were like an even playing field. That's one more thing that I really enjoy about this game that kept it from being kind of sweaty, like a Call of Duty game. Uh, there's nothing to un- <laughs> sweaty, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> whatever the kids are calling it. Uh, try hard, whatever. Uh, there's no rank up system in this game, so the only thing that you're unlocking are cosmetics. So the guy that's been playing for 100 hours, the only thing he's got on you is a cooler looking gun, does the same amount of damage, uh, same skills, uh, he's just got some knowledge on you, and that's it. So once you learn the systems, you are you don't walk in at a disadvantage, I guess, which helps a lot. Shout out to any game company that can base their monetization strategy off of selling hats. <laughs> that's right, it worked for Valve. Um... But no, it's a it's a good point, Clint. I mean, you can rank up with factions, right? But it doesn't have any mechanical benefit, which I think is the key we're getting at here. Correct. Um, and yeah, to that point, like your character is is another thing that you really like can get into customizing things of that nature. Um, I like how when you're generating your character, there's no sliders. It's all random, and then bookmark a random person and roll again. It makes everyone definitely look different, which I think is key when you're <laughs> playing with a lot of other actual players. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. make a character that just looks like you, like you do in every other game. Right. <laughs> yeah, my guy definitely didn't look like me, and I loved it for it. It was great. <laughs> One thing I liked about the whole travel system, going back and forth, it helped to really set the tone for the game because you know i i called it a tiny c earlier that uh, that's only if talking about like realistic terms of how big c's can be uh for in terms of a video game this is a very large c you're sailing around and going from island to island that can take some time i think it was a deliberate design decision they made to do that you can imagine a game where the islands are closer together and it doesn't take as much time to get from one point to the other i think that really encouraged that kind of just hanging out with friends and i really like that about this game well one thing to add on top of that though is uh often you would be doing some type and this goes back to the open world and how anything could transpire There'd be times where you'd be playing a game or a mission, you'd be going and you're in this open world and next thing you know, you find yourself next to another pirate that attacks you and it completely knocks you off of your mission. And here you are trying to go complete maybe one of the one of the scenes within a pirate's life and next thing you know, you come across somebody that, that just wants to steal your, your loot, right? And then... <laughs> <laughs> then, 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 then you get sunk, right? If if you lose the battle, right? And then you start all over, and you got to go all the way back across the map. So, um, it just make it makes it real, right? It's it's kind of fun, and and that's the the challenge of doing different tasks within an open world system. And that was the whole secret sauce to the whole game. Like it's this is probably again why the game sucked at the beginning because 
at the beginning, they probably wanted you to take the quest seriously. Nobody takes the quest seriously. It's about <laughs> the things that happen to you while you're trying to do the quests. And that's, that's the secret sauce of this game. That's where all the cool stuff comes from. Yeah, that's that's actually a note I have here, like quests. The first thing I have is, are they necessary? <laughs> and the answer ah. that like I came to at the end of it was probably no. Like I found the tall tales that they had in this game interesting. Like I think they were well constructed, especially the the latest ones. Like I feel like they've taken a big step forward. But honestly, the ones that they had from the start, the gold hoarders and the order of souls and the merchant alliance, like eh, I, I could take or leave all that, honestly. Yeah, I think with the quests, what they were trying to do is provide a little bit of direction and, hey, here's a thing you can go to try to do. Like, the meat of this game, I think I'm okay in saying, is not inside of the quests, but it's inside of the multiplayer aspect, both within your own crew and seeing that pirate ship on the horizon and wondering, are they going to try to rob me? Am I going to try to rob them? Are we going to be friends? Who knows? So the one thing that uh, I would say is like the the player language that that is comes out of that too the player interactions Josh is really fascinating to me like Clint I remember the first time we all played together you teaching me like hey you know when you're sailing at night you're gonna want to make sure you keep the lights out because otherwise people are gonna think you're like itching for a fight um, and all of those sort of un unsaid rules to engagement on the high seas is one of the things that I found like most interesting about learning to play this game. Yeah, and there's different flags you can fly depending on the situation. I don't know. It's it's, it's fun. It, it's a whole will they or won't they uh, dance every time you come across, you know, a sail on the horizon. And I think that's what makes it so special every single time. Again, it doesn't happen so often that it's annoying, but it happens enough that it makes it exciting. And then you have to spend, you know, 20 minutes deciding how this is going to play out. Because, again, this is not happening quickly. People, It's hard to man the boat at all then to do combat with the boat is even harder so you have all this time to consider it and try to figure out what you're going to do and i don't know it makes it, it makes a lot of fun this whole shared multiplayer world that they got going is a really interesting component like this isn't an mmo where you are out there on the ocean with every man and their brother um you're out there with there's maybe i don't know half dozen a dozen other pirates out there on the sea with you i'm not sure of the exact number um it's something that it, you encountered them often enough that you had to be aware of that and look out for that but it wasn't so often that you felt like you couldn't hop over three islands without getting ganked on the way yeah i think i heard that usually sits between three to five other crews in in a, in a map with you at, at any time so again there'd be nights where we would run into people like all the time and then we'd have whole days where like we wouldn't see anybody just long enough for you to forget that it's a danger and to not have somebody looking out and then whoops too late but also when you have that number of, of people on the same open world that can see you know the the spire or whatever is going up in the sky identifying that there's treasure to be found next thing you know it becomes a race to the loot or you have people trolling around waiting to catch you or sink your boat while you're down there trying to pick up the treasure off the sunken ship so um pretty neat part yeah. yeah you were talking about lack of ui and this kind of reminded me of ghost of tsushima how how they do this a little bit so there are no waypoints in this game uh most things aren't marked on a map so you're looking for signs and a lot of times in this game it's you're looking for fire on the horizon like a cloud in the sky things like that that's what you're looking for or a pack of seagulls around a uh, a wrecked yeah. ship. Yeah, I really like that level design and how they do that. It's like an unobtrusive way of like showing you, hey, look over here, without 
you know, putting exclamation points all over the map. And it's interesting to see when a developer says, we're not going to throw UI into this game. The solutions they come up to for the problems that, you know, all game designers face. How do I get the player from point A to point B? How, How do I make them know they should turn right? off this path and go into the forest a little bit. Mm. And this is a really good way of signposting that. It is, but it, at least from my perspective, the tutorialization of this game, or lack thereof, sometimes got a little frustrating. Like, the lack of me- tutorial for mechanics, to me, that was good. You know, it, it's fun to figure things out and figure out how the interactions in the world happened. The lack of tutorials for how the quest structure worked and how all of that was structured... Uh, at, at first it frustrated me because I was not sure exactly like what was going on, what I had accomplished so far, what I could resume and suspend and revisit. It just, you know, I, I could see that being off-putting for a new player because it was for me as a new player, even now. Well, you know what? I think uh, there were two kind of ways I experienced this game. There were the times I played with Clint and Brian, and Clint, of course, knows tons about this game and was able to guide us around very effectively. And then there's the times where me and Brian were drinking beer and stumbling around (laughs) drunk in both senses and trying to figure out what to do. And I thought there was fun in that second way, too. Even if we didn't know what we were doing. You'd steer us into a gigantic rock. I don't know how it happened. And then we get sunk. <laughs> it was a story. Yeah. Andy and I have played for 100 hours, and I did that shit today. Like, today. It still happens. <laughs> like, that's just part of the game. It's still fun, too, right? I mean, this is yeah. like an, an imminently uh, watchable and shareable game because every every time you play it, something new and, and entertaining tends to happen. You know, whether it's you, like, despite being at the height of your powers as a, a pirate lord steering into a rock unexpectedly, or, you know, uh, being waylaid by the Kraken when you were on your way to close out a really big quest. You know, anything could happen. And it, it usually happens at the worst possible time for you, but the best possible time for watching and entertainment value. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Do you guys have a lot of experience with the PvP? We always talked about it as sort of being a tension or dread thing. I feel like when, you know, when, during the course of my play with you, Clint, and, and Josh, we, we had a couple interactions with uh, uh, other players, other human players. You know, you get a ton of NPC interaction. You know, killing skeletons is pretty run-of-the-mill. But uh, it really gets interesting when you start to engage in, like, a, a high seas battle with another another ship with humans. Yeah, and I think it's because of the intensity of the battle and how long they last, too. Like I said, when you see that sail on the horizon, you've got maybe 15 or 20 minutes of run-up before the actual battle ensues. So you know on their end, they're trying to figure out what to do with you, and on your end, you're trying to do the same thing. And again, long time to transpire in between now and when the action starts. And uh, I don't know. It raises tension. It makes it more fun. And honestly, it can be over in a matter of a minute. But it's there's, there's just so much creativity in that interaction too. There's everything from your opponent, the other pirates being you know watching what you do and you being too predictive. And next thing you know, they jumped off a ship and they climbed up onto your ship and they dropped your anchor or <laughs> dropped, you know blew up your boat somehow, right? So there's that whole aspect of it where really you know you almost have to check yourself and say, well, hey, am I doing something too repeatable? Is it too obvious what I'm going to do? And the next thing you know, they're they're going to take me down. 
Um, and then also trying trying to to escape. That's that's sometimes the challenge, right? Different boats are faster through different different you know headwinds and tailwinds and, and things like that, right? So. And beyond that, there's times where you're itching for a fight, and there's times where you just did a huge quest and you got a huge hull, and you're like, "Damn, I don't want to lose that." <laughs> Time to hightail it out of here if I see a ship on the horizon. Yeah. And Andy, you made a great point about the various ships, and it's something we didn't hit on yet, but you can play this game in crews of one to four, right? And there's basically three different ships uh, you can take as a result of that, right? There's the the smallest ship you can take, the sloop, which is going to let you, you know, be one to two players. There's the middle one, which is... Brigantine. The Brigantine, thank you. The three-man vessel, basically. And then the big one, the four-man galleon. Um and all of these have various amounts of cannons. They move at different speeds. They turn at different rates. Um, but all in all, it, it just provides a, a lot of different options for you as a as a crew. Like you could see a sloop take out a galleon if it's well well piloted. Yeah, I mean, so there the upside is, like I said, it's more powerful. It can go faster, but it also requires more teamwork and more not just more people, but a lot of more communication, a lot more teamwork uh, to to run a galleon. If you've got four guys that still don't know what they're doing, I would still be on a smaller boat because it's it's hard. It takes a lot to do. Andy, we did galleon a couple of times with Mike, I believe, right? We we did, and you got more sails. You've got a bigger boat, more you cannons a, by a lot. You, well, you've got two, you know, more decks under underneath the top deck, right? And so you've got more boards that you need to patch when you get in a fight. There's just a whole lot of complexity that goes with it when you get into the bigger boats. And uh, you know, with the bigger boats, you can you can take on more damage, you can last longer in a fight. And uh, you know, I I would highly recommend to to anyone that's interested in this game to definitely drag as many of your friends into this game as you can <laughs> and experience playing on on the bigger boat, right? Because it's it is a really great part of the game. It completely changes how you play, right? Your cornering's different on the boat. The way you attack another boat's different. Um, so it really, again, we talked about just how many facets there are to this game. It really just opens up kind of how many different experiences you can have as you start to really change the way you you approach the game but all of them are valid like andy and i are brigantine guys we do the brigantine every time um and it works out fine you can get into just as much trouble as a two-man or as a three-man generally i still prefer the brigantine because it's just for for two-man yeah yeah because everybody knows their job even if I had three, I think I'd still do the Brigantine just because it's it's easier to manage. You get into the bigger boats, it's a whole different thing. I don't know. There's that whole sim aspect of the game where you, had, I don't know, you have to have all your shit together to run the big boat right. <laughs> I don't think I've ever played on a Galleon, to be frank. Uh, I know when we three played together, we did a Brigantine, and uh, that was about as much complexity as I could could want for three people i think it would have been cramped with the sloop for that one basically one of us just would have been hanging out or playing lookout or something like that or playing accordion sloop is sloop is good if you're playing solo that's how i cut my teeth on this game i learned to play this by myself i was on the sloop once i learned how to do it i'm like i want to play in a bigger boat and that's when i pulled in andy i'm like let's get a bigger (laughs) boat but two guys on a brig two guys on a brig can be a challenge as well there were times where you know, we were playing, Clint and I were playing, and next thing you know, I'm downstairs trying to bucket water or patch holes, and Clint's upstairs just trying to steer because we're in the middle of a fight, and you almost need that third person to I was be say, shooting cannons, man right? in the cannons, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. I, that was a really nice way you described that, Andy. Normally, it's you're scooping, 
and I'm firing. And they're like, who the fuck is driving the boat? No, no, no that's true, too. And then, and then it's like, oh, fuck, there's a rock. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yep. Or another boat or something even worse. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's definitely true. We, we usually blame it on not being able to see past the rear, um, the rear um, sail. Yeah, that, that's that's usually when you have it all the way down. That one's always challenging to see past. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a good excuse. <laughs> I used it today <laughs> and the day before that. A pirate's only as good as his best excuse. So, got an eye patch. I can't see shit, guys. <laughs> Depth <laughs> perception. It's rough. Why is our eye patch guy on the cannons? Um. <laughs> no depth. Perception. Always happens. Always happens. One of the things I think it's interesting to point out about this game, especially in regards to its PvP combat, I mean, you're thrown into the server with a bunch of other people. It could end badly. It could end very badly because, you know, the internet has a lot of jerks on it, a lot of people who love to troll, but this game does a very good job of cutting that shit out from happening whatsoever. Uh, Two big ways I think they do this is in the respawn mechanic. Like, if you get boarded by another crew you lose the battle, they take your treasures, they have no reason to stick around. It can only go bad for them if you manage to kill them and take your treasure back and flee away from there. So they don't have any um, any reason to stick around and just try to keep spawn camping you uh, as you come back. And if they do try to do that, you just sink the ship. You have the option of doing that and restarting on some random island wherever in the sea where they don't know where you are, so they can't find you without searching the whole uh, seven seas on the way to doing it. Um, So there's a lot of ways this game discourages outright trollish behavior. It also allows for it, too. This is a game about pirates, but the cool thing it does... Uh, if you're being an asshole and you want to be an asshole, because this is a game about being an asshole. Pirates. Assholes. Uh, yeah. They start marking you on the map. So other people are aware of you, but they're not aware of anyone else. So it almost makes them a target. So it's almost like a like a fun... I don't know. It, it makes the whole thing fun. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. Like the, the studio director, Craig Duncan, even said, Sea of Thieves is the friendliest multiplayer game. And... I think a big part of why that is, is uh, Clint, what you said earlier is the game doesn't really make you go to like end game grinding or making sure that you have the most min maxed player. It has horizontal progression, right? It's uh, progression in terms of cosmetics and get to that end. um, You're, you're probably incentivized to help out uh, earlier on players, you know, less experienced players with quests rather than, um, rather than loot them because you're not going to gain any more looting them than you would by helping them with whatever treasure bearing quest that they're involved in. Right. Did you guys ever run into that where you actually had someone like join you in co-op for a quest that, you know, a a group that you weren't already playing with? We've had help and we've helped other people. Um, And we've had quite the opposite as well. But again, this kind of plays into what we were talking about before the quests don't matter. So in a game where (laughs) you just lost three hours of progress it's easy to get pissed. But in this game, if you lost three hours of progress, did you really lose anything? It's a good Not story. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get to spend the next hour trying to trying to find them again. Be like, all right, it's on. Let's do this. Yeah. It's not like you lost half your progress to the super elite sniper rifle. No, it's the no. you lost your uh half your progress to like the fancy 
do hickeys on your sniper rifle that just look cool. Right. Yeah, how am I going to buy my monkey those new pants? Like, he clearly <laughs> needed them. Patches needs pants. Patches <laughs> needs pants. Yeah. Um, we do have a monkey named Patches. Starting my pirate Kickstarter, <laughs> Pants for Patches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I hear you on that. And I, I think this is sort of the, the difference between, like, the very antagonistic multiplayer in something like Dark Souls, where someone could come into your game and make you lose literally hours of progress by making you lose souls, which sucks. But it's also a good and maybe painful story. Where this game, it's a good story, but it's maybe not as painful. And at the end of the day, I think I'm in a better headspace for that these days. <laughs> yeah, I think the art style helps with that too. The less crushing nature of the game. The, it, th- this game kind of looks like a, a Pixar pirate game. Uh, what really sets it apart, and I think Andy talked about this earlier, is the lighting. And I think this is something we're going to see in a lot of modern games. Like, graphics are good, and they've been good for a long time. But the new era, it's all about lighting. And it's amazing how much good light makes things feel real. Like, when you see the sunset on those waves and see a thieves, holy shit. Looks amazing. Yeah, and this game does have, like, a cartoonish look, like we were saying earlier in the character generation uh, talk we did. But um, it sort of reminds me of, like, Team Fortress 2 combined with Pixar, combined with Fortnite. Like, you know, it's it's in that vein. Um, but at the same time, like, I think it just has a lot more character than, say, a Fortnite, right? It, it, Fortnite seems By a lot far. more sanitized than this game. Like, your pirates still look rough. Like, they look like they've been on the high seas. <laughs> He's seen some shit. Yeah, they, they've seen some shit. <laughs> Recently. Sure. I also think the game is a really good, coherent sort of pirate style, right? Like, we got all kinds of nautical folklore going on in this game. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean was such a natural pairing for this game, honestly. Um, you know, with Davy Jones Locker, Jack Sparrow, and all that stuff. Like, that is such, like, a, a common nautical folklore pastiche. And this game really, like, taps into all of that in a great way. And I think it is a, an awesome, like, unified theme in that way. It was so easy for them to add it in. It was so natural. And it, in my opinion, it added so much more depth to the game that after after you play through that whole series, and of course, everyone's most everyone's seen Pirates of the Caribbean. So when you're playing through it, you can easily, you know, get in line and you start to like your character and, you, you know, you're trying to find Johnny Depp or whatever you're trying to do, right? <laughs> you, 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 you just have a lot of fun doing that because you know exactly what's going to happen. You know Johnny Depp's gonna, you know, get himself in trouble. You know he's gonna end up in a tight spot, and then you, you're sitting here like, okay, well, I gotta save him. Do I really want to? I don't know, but I'm gonna save him. I don't want to save Johnny Depp, but I'd save Jack Sparrow. There we um. go. I'm sorry, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Depp. So we I, can we can leave him in there. Character only. Yeah, <laughs> but to, to your to your point. Um, you know, I really do feel like this game got a total second life with that. Like, how did they get that Disney partnership? I don't know. But it's, you know, and here in like 2021, easily like a half a decade removed from the height of Pirates of the Caribbean fandom. Like, it's surprising to me how resonant this was, but I'm glad it did resonate. That mm-hmm. is. It provides a kind of narrative structure to the game that maybe was lacking before a little bit. Yeah, it's so. A lot more free and open before. Yeah, so they started doing Tall Tales a while back, and they've been adding those, I think, as part of the seasonal content, like, you'll get like a new tall tale here or there. And they are progressively getting better and like more tied together instead of like one-offs. But this new Disney partnership was a five-part, um, I'm going to call them tall tales, but they're even bigger than those. Well, it's like these a campaign like, of tall tales. Yes. So Andy and I actually finished these today. We, we managed to get through all of them. Can say that they are narratively the best content in the game. Hmm. Would I play the game like that every time? 
No. Like like we said before, some of the coolest parts of the game was had nothing to do with story at all. It's the story that you come up with. But uh, it really did add a whole lot, and I hope they keep doing content like that because it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it, it seems to me that it adds a nice change of pace, right? Like, this is a game that's always been really open-ended, make-your-own-fun. Not all players are like that. Like, sometimes you need the game to hold your hand for a while before you dive into that end of the pool. And it seems to me that this has added that, and, you know, 15 million players seem to agree. I wouldn't even say it's like holding your hand. It's more like saying, hey, there is something to do over here. Like, the make-your-own-fun, that's a excellent approach to game design, um, but there that doesn't work for everybody. Uh, some people do need a little more signposting. They do need a little more direction and goal-oriented play uh, rather than the kind of like set sail and come what may. Yeah. Yeah, this is by far the most bespoke um, material in the entire game, by far. And the fact that it came three years in, I can see a lot of people probably started playing, like you're saying, Josh, and just didn't know what to do and kind of lost interest. You did kind of have to get past that initial hump there trying to figure out how things work and all that to get to that enjoy your own fun thing. But I think this will help a lot of players get into the world. Yeah. And it's, it's nice that the game has had so much support over the years like that. Like there's even like a, uh, I think there's a, there's a site that was tracking it for a while, sea of news or something like that, where you could go and just see what's the latest thing that's been added since the last time you've played. Um, I never had to use this because I started playing it this year and all the big expansions have come basically during my time playing. Um, but I could see that being really helpful because uh, this is a game that has had a ton of expansions and developer support, and um, it's it's kind of hard to keep track of all the things that are added over the course of time. And um, obviously, it's a game that is a labor of love for the dev team because they do continue to work on it and improve it, and the player base is you know rewarded for sticking with it, which I like. It's always a good thing from my perspective. Yeah, I'm excited about this new like era of gaming. So it used to be you buy your game, you play your 20 to 40 hours, and you're done with it. Maybe you get a DLC, but the DLC probably sucks. And that's it. Now you get games like this, that, or even like Call of Duty, which we were playing a lot before. Um, you get seasonal content. You get new things all the time. Like Developers don't just sell you a game and move on to selling you the sequel next year, although Call of Duty is still doing that. Uh, but like you're constantly getting dripped out new things all the time to keep it fresh, to keep it interesting, and to keep the community engaged. And I hope they keep doing that with this game. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I, I think you know, games as a service is is both a pro and a con. Uh, in this game's case, obviously, it's a pro because uh, it's unequivocally gotten better. And I think you know you could point to maybe like No Man's Sky in a similar vein and, and talk about how much it's improved over the last several years of its existence. Um, Maybe a cast for another day. Um, but uh, all in all, I hope it keeps going. More Sea of Thieves. Well, you know, that game style, that uh, business plan works a lot better with some games rather than others. I mean, uh, I think we all played Hollow Knight here before. Have you, Andy? I haven't played Hollow Knight. Oh, great Metroidvania. Uh, but uh, we did a uh, cast on that a while back, and I couldn't imagine Hollow Knight being the the game as a service as brian said yeah yeah and still being as good like that was an experience and it, it already offered more experience with its expansion packs than i just said that's not for me that's i'm not looking for that level of masochistic challenge uh i got what i came for from this game and i'm happy with it agreed i think it definitely cuts both ways there's some games that are better suited to it than others i i'm happy with a bespoke experience that ends uh but also you know i'm happy when a game 
uh, stays around long enough to become its its perfect self, so to speak. I think the key is multiplayer. Single player can enjoy the experience and move on. Hmm. But, that's a good but point. when you're talking about a community and you're talking about multiplayer, I feel like that's where uh, games as a service kind of shines a little bit more. The forever game. Yeah, sure. Well, and with a lot of great games, it's basically an interactive movie, right? You're going through an entire storyline and you really get to be emerged you know, immersed in, in the entire storyline and be a character in that show at that point. Right. So there's just, and there's so many games that are like that. When you look at a game like this, it's, it has some aspects of that, but for the most part, it's completely different than that. Right. You're, you're really just creating your own story and building your own experience. Some of the devs, in one interview or another, I think they referred to this game as a pirate anecdote generator. Like they're trying to make it a storytelling kind of experience. And I've heard that term used before, like a story generator before, but mostly kind of more in the roguelike genre or maybe something like RimWorld where you have these complex systems that interact to form kind of this emergent gameplay I think the reason this game does so well at that is its emergent system, its chaotic system, is other people. When you add a multiplayer to the mix, especially in a kind of structured experience like this, um, then when you don't know what people's intentions are, it's going to create this uh, novelty. It's going to create interesting situations again and again, even if the devs aren't, say, adding a new chapter of quests every month. Yeah, one might call it the the dichotomy between what Andy described as like a, a video game as a movie and what Josh, you described as more of a pixelated playground. Ah, he said the name of the thing. <laughs> and with that, why don't we sail into the sunset with a three word review? Uh, my three-word review is sailing and chill. Uh, a lot of work since 2018 has gone into getting Sea of Thieves from the best open-ended hangout on the high seas to a more directed experience. Even with the leaps and bounds that have been made in the design of quests and authored content, the best times are still those you stumble upon randomly, in my opinion. Uh, trying to outrun another player's crew... Uh, to return some treasure only to be subsequently scuttled by a megalodon or sneaking up on an unsuspecting uh, enemy pirate ship and cannonballing yourself on board to set it on fire or just playing your hurdy-gurdy on the bow of the ship to pass the time. Um, Sea of Thieves is the ultimate for me if you're looking simply for some sailing and chill. All right, my three-word review is I, the hearties. Sea of Thieves is a unique experience, a modeless pirate adventure story that places you in a world with strangers of unknown intent. The shared multiplayer world worked better than I expected, because the oceans weren't crowded. Running into other crews was an occasional occurrence, but the threat of a possible plundering kept you on your toes. Interesting as that dynamic was, uh, what the real buried treasure for me was working with your own crew of sea dogs. The deliberately long stretches of travel between islands made the world feel bigger. What could be tedium in a single-player game was welcome when playing with friends. The journeys provide the breathing space to hang out and catch up. At a time when our larger world is dealing with a once-in-a-century pandemic, and our private worlds are upended with new responsibilities of parenthood, <laughs> see if these was a welcome chance to set sail with some old mates. I'm going to go with Watch Your Back. 
when uh, when you're playing, whether you are out sailing the high seas, getting trolled by your newfound friends or enemies, or you're on the shore trying to fight a pirate lord and you have a skeleton come up behind you with an explosive barrel, which uh, if anyone wants to know, I am a magnet for explosive exploding barrels. <laughs> I always die. In the game um, as oh, in life. Uh, done, right? Done. But also, if uh, if you're out in the high seas and you're fighting the Kraken or the Megalodon, you know, always watch your back. You're going to have so much fun and bring every friend you can because you're going to have a blast. My three-word review is ride the wave. So like I've mentioned throughout the cast, Andy and I probably suck about 100 hours into the Sea of Thieves so far this year, and I'm not done with it yet. So I usually <laughs> play it as a fun, casual way to hang out with friends, and it's been a great way to stay connected. The fun thing about this game and some something you'll probably come to realize as you get started is that although you might have plans for your play session, like some quest or activity that you're setting out to do, nine times out of 10, you end up doing something else entirely. And this is because the world is always something throwing something new at you, whether that's due to the PvP multiplayer aspect of the game or a literal mountain of random world events that might chance upon you as you're sailing around. There's always something new being thrown your way. In the end, the quest you are doing isn't the star of the show. It's the crazy stories you make with your friends as you sail the high seas. Like that one time you killed a kraken and saved a fellow pirate from certain destruction, or when you spent all night trying to get back at the pirate crew that stole your treasure, or when you accidentally sank the boat in the middle of open water because you forgot some chicken on the stove and the boat caught fire. Sorry, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's chill and relaxing, sometimes it's epic and exciting, but either way, you just have to sit back, ride the wave, and have some fun with your friends. With that, we want to say thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. And if you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at pixelplaypod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Helmsman Brian Skersha. I'm Bosun Josh Galecki. And I'm Captain Clint Jones. And I am the first prisoner in the bottom of the hole, Andy Barhorst. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. And keep on sailing. we've talked a lot about the quests with this game i think an interesting point is you know these quests weren't really anything other than a reason to get you off of the docks Hmm. and go moving around i mean yes yes it would give you something if you didn't find something else cool to do along the way but never happened that way ever (laughs) exactly we used to have to do this like when we started we'd be like let's pick a quest and now when we start we're like let's just go just get like, in the mm-hmm. get in the boat. Well, <laughs> well, you can decide after you get going, right? Like, there's times where we just be like, "Well, what do we want out of this? We don't really feel like I don't know if I want to sink an hour and a half into playing this quest." So it's like, okay, well, let's just sail for a little bit, and then lo and behold, 10, 15 minutes later, something we're fighting, will happen. We're, we're sunk, or we're sinking in another boat, or whatever might come up, or fighting a kraken. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I do find it nice that even if you don't have a quest on a given island, you could find something interesting to do there most of the time, right? Like, there are sort of quests that present themselves when you roll up on a, a new fort or island, regardless of whether or not you have something, you know, daggered in your little quest book. Usually a skeleton with an exploding barrel. Yeah. Andy, that only happens to you. <laughs> yep. I'll just have to remember to bring Andy along on my next excursion to an island to soak up the exploding barrels. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be your shield. Andy, <laughs> you you actually need to redo your outro. I'm Human Shield, Andy Barhorse. <laughs> human Shield. <laughs>